The Vuck conquers both the West and East of Sydney in consecutive weeks. It's your weekly dose of FES back again. It's a triumphant week. My name is Dave. Joining me over the airwaves is the man of the people, Budza, who is looking as statuesque as Zinedine Machach right now. It's a good week for big calls. Um, it's great when they come off. I'm I'm here for it. Um, I I, uh, I channeled my inner. What was his name? Was it Daniel Bagala, the Revenge Kid, Revenge. Um, I channeled my Sydney Revenge Kid, and um, I won. So, good evening, boys. It's uh, it's a great, great, great evening to be here as a day one Melbourne victory fan. Because fuck Sydney FC. You put yourself out on the on the line last week in that clip that we uh, chopped up to fire up the punters for th- this game against Sydney FC, and it was good, as you say, to come out on the winning end of it. Now, also here this evening is Clarky. Now, Clarky, you have been cooking up a fucking storm this last week. I'm seeing you pickling vegetables and you're cooking focaccias and all sorts of stuff, mate. What's got you into the cooking mood? Uh, is it, is it the Vux triumphant undefeated form or is it something else? <laughs> oh, when the Vux cook, Clarky cooks as well. No, I'm just I'm just on holidays and I'm able to do some of the things that hey. I don't usually have the time or the energy for when I'm uh, working for the man. But uh, no, going well. I'm very relaxed. I've, this is my first week of holidays, so I've been enjoying it. Um, what a great way to start the holidays. I love beating those dickheads. I absolutely love it. It was just glorious. What a win. Yes. Uh, skulls were indeed fucked uh, on Saturday <laughs> night. Uh, and it was glorious. It was a fun night all round. And look, uh, the other group that was having fun was the FES Discord. And the FES community expanded by two this week with both Lachlan and Anthony Mancuso signing up to the FBS Patreon. Now, Buds, that, that's a name we haven't heard in a long time. Uh, he's an old fuck is Mancuso, isn't it? It's good to see that. Yeah, name abs- abs- absolutely. I haven't, I haven't seen that name in years. So welcome aboard. Thank you. Champion. All right. Well, yeah. So that that's a little bit about the, uh, podcast as it is, as in we're fueled by those that listen to us. Uh, and that's supplemented by the Discord, which I feel pretty confident in saying is the biggest online A-League fan community by a country mile, Clark. Yeah, it, it has to be that way. It's over 200 strong, I believe, right now. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's growing every day, which is great. We see more people sticking their heads into the Discord every day. So um, if you haven't and you're you're a Patreon, just um, get on there and um, connect up your your Discord with your Patreon and jump on and and talk with a bunch of like minded Vux. It's it's pumping all day and all night. It's great on match days, whether it's home or away. Um, just a great place to be. Um, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Best community in Australian football without a shadow of a doubt. And all members of said community are going to have the opportunity on uh, Saturday, February 3, to join us and all others for an exclusive evening. And we can now say that it will be uh, for the game against Newcastle on the date that I just mentioned at Local Brewing in Clifton Hill, which is a pretty dedicated venue when it comes to A-League fans. The setup there, it's brand new. You two boys went there not long ago to suss it out and see if it would be fit for purpose for the FES community, and it was tick, tick, tick. So soon to be revealed will be information on how you can get tickets for that event. We're pumped, and it's drinks are on us for the whole evening. So get ready for that. Mark it in your calendars. You're listening to For Buck's Sake.
It's always fun when you get to talk about two wins, not just for the men, but for the women as well. And that's pretty much the majority of our run sheet. We, we get to talk mostly about football, but there will be a couple of other topics, namely uh, the uh, whereabouts now of a former VUC manager in Kevin Musket. And we'll discuss some other A-League ongoings. But what most people are here to listen to is our breakdown of the match on Saturday night at Swan Street. Melbourne victory three, Sydney FC nil. In front of a smidge over 14,000 people, gents, as I said before, this was a fun night. And on many levels, it was fun. uh, Even though we didn't actually have much of the ball, the refereeing was awful. Uh, It just felt good because there's quality football, economical finishing, some classy manoeuvres as well. Clarky, I'm going to go to you first. The skull fuck was executed. Did it happen in a manner that you had hoped? Yeah, look, I think you can always bay for more blood and we wouldn't have said no to another one or another two goals, but you have to have a look at it like 3-0. It was comprehensive and, and the quality of the goals, we, we fucked on them. There, there's nothing they could do. They were hapless for those goals. So, yeah, I thought we did execute it pretty well. And, um, look, he, I, I don't think any Vuk can be disappointed with a 3-0 scoreline at the end of the day. Um, it was a great day. There was just, I don't know about you, Dave, but there's just... How quickly expectations build in a season for a club and for a supporter base. I walked in there wanting a win, but also expecting a win. Um, so I went in there confident, but you know, obviously the last couple of years we've been anything but reliable. Um, but I went in there feeling confident and it was great to walk out like having that that confidence repaid um by the team. It was a really, really good result, a really good feel-good. Um, sort of day and night, pretty much. So many layers to unpack, Budza, but I think for me, the key takeaway was just the quality of the goals and almost just poetry in motion at times, really well crafted, really well executed. As I said, we didn't actually have much of the ball compared to Sydney, but when we did have it, we were just efficient and clinical. We certainly were, and like I, I um I was on dad duty, so solo dad duty, so I had to take the home hit for this game, which was disappointing. But I got to sit and listen to Andy Harper cry all night and and talk Sydney up. It was absolutely fantastic listening to the the Paramount Ten um, Sydney FC cheer squad do their thing for for ninety minutes plus. Uh, little bits as well. It's even better when they uh, constantly cut to Alex Brosk in the uh, halftime and end of game as well to ask him everything uh, that he wants to think about Sydney FC as well. But with with what matters, the game it was it was Melbourne victory were all over them. Um, I thought it was a, a fantastic performance by Daniel Arzani. I've uh, been saying for a while um, that it's uh, it's going to just be a a goal that he needs. He's been working towards it. He's been building for it. Mm-hmm. We've all been we've all been waiting for it, and it was a belter nonetheless. Um, as we talked about last week as well, um, our our quartet, so to speak, of Bruno, um, Zizou, uh, Arzani, and now Brimmer in the equation is really starting to um, take shape, and it absolutely took Sydney uh, to pieces. Um, it was awesome witnessing the um, the the murder of Ryan Grant. Um, we called for Bruno to crush his skull into the dirt. Um, he was flogged all night. Um, so was Luke Bratton, and it was even better that uh, those two guys gave up two goals as well. Um, it yeah. was just poetry in motion. Everything we asked for was happening. It was unfolding. Uh, it was a decent crowd again. We said that Melbourne Victory needed to reward the home fans. They rewarded the home fans. Um, can't also gloss over the fact that Paul Izzo uh, <laughs> played an absolute... Um, 
he played a blinder. Uh, he was doing things that I've, um, you know, let's say when, when we've been on the receiving end of a Jamie Young um, spectacular uh, game where he's literally diving and grabbing and like ripping the ball out from the net, uh, from the, sorry, from the goal line and just saving the impossible. That's what Izzo was doing. Um, mm-hmm. Look, Pavlicic was doing a, a decent job early as well. Both goalkeepers at one stage were keeping both their teams in it. It was a, it was a very entertaining game all up. Um, although Sydney, Sydney had um, a lot of chances on goal. It really, um, you know, three on target from 20 and, a, and, a, and a, an XG that was less than victories. Um, you know, XG, you know, this is like when, when salespeople use stats to, to back them up, but uh, hate the stats the week before they'll decide when they want to use the negative stats and decide when mm-hmm. they want to use the positive ones. This is one where we'll use XG and uh, extol the virtues of it. Um, I love XG. It, I love XG. Yeah. Look, XG, when <laughs> you've got a sample size that big, you know, they had, love it they this had, season. They had like 350 more passes than us. Like they had so many, but they didn't do much with it. Um, this was what I would call, this was efficient football. And when you score three goals in the manner that we did, it was a very, very good performance. Very, very good performance. I thought there was some amazing, amazing individual performances as well. And we just stuck fat. And also think like, a guy like Connor Chapman too, he's really growing into his role, very unassuming, but starting to be very dependable and reliable. He can be deployed in a number of positions and he's just, you know, he's become, let's say, a hybrid of what Hamill and Broxham were mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. That's he's, a good he's Yeah, he's just, he's doing the biz, Teague doing the biz as well. Like it's just a metronome got, in midfield, isn't he? Tick tock. He just, yeah, and, just, and you could see with, with how Jake played as well. Um, there were a lot of phases of play that Jake broke up. Uh, there was a lot of re- uh, retaining the ball, the way Jake would retain the ball. He was putting in tackles. He was getting on the end of um, some great work down the pitch and then providing being that conduit and fulcrum, uh, to to release Machacha um, Nazani, I, I dare say the only thing that this game missed was a, a, an absolute stellar game from Ben Falami. That was about it. I don't think there was a bad player on the field for us. Um, it was a joy. I wish I was there. I'm very jealous of you guys for getting to witness that. And then, yeah, look, some of the dick flicking from Zizou was just insane. And I don't know oh, yeah. when you guys caught it. Um, when it, when it was released, the turnover and just the way that him and Bruno linked up and Bruno yeah. for the third, for Bruno's goal, and Bruno was saying, Zizou, wait, Zizou, wait. And then he puts it on his other foot and releases him and as a one-time finish, just, yeah, old-school Melbourne victory. Very good. It, it's humming in that front third. Mm. And, you know, you mentioned yeah. Ben Flamy. He was the one to come in for Nishan, who we understand – was a hamstring issue, not quite sure of the seriousness of it, but probably I think we seem to be making uh, considered and careful decisions on players that are under clouds this season. And so far it's worked. You know, we rested Danny De Silva that you know, week. You know, we, I mean, got a point out of that game against the Mariners where it happened. But yeah, I want to focus on that front third because it's just exciting at the moment, the combinations that you talked about. You mentioned that it was a privilege to to be there on Saturday Night Buds. Like, it was absolutely, but I feel doubly privileged that those two goals, Arzani's first and then Machacha's goal happened right in front of us in the south end. And you could just see Arzani's finish the way he just placed it but with power ever so perfectly. But the the real excitement machine, the big dick starred Zinedine Machach, like as, as he was approaching Pavlicic and go, I was saying, chip it, chip it. And he's just placed it, chipped it perfectly. I was just ecstatic watching that unfold. He loves sticking it to Sydney FC, two games, and he's absolutely destroyed them with, just beautiful moments in both games. Clarky, 
you were there with, alongside me on Saturday night, and boy, was it just amazing! Oh, absolutely! Uh, yeah, Machach, what can you say? Um, you 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 coined the term the the velvet sledgehammer, um, you know, last week, and yeah, so much strength, but then so much flair and touch. Um, the interplay between that that front third is is incredible. There's a, there's an understanding there which you know is is scary. Um, it's everyone's making each other's job easier in that front third to to do good shit pretty much. Um, I just want to go back to Azani's goal. We said he needed a goal. Um, he got it. And what a great finish. What a what an intelligent finish. You know, the ball's coming across his body, across the top of the box. He's, he's done that cut in. You think most people, you know, you're going to sort of curve it into that into that far corner there. Yeah, but just the, the, po- yeah. the poise to just to just squirt it back, to cut it back and, and finish it near post is just it's a sublime finish. It's 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 one of a bloke that sort of knows what he wants to do or see stuff unfold that little bit before everybody else. And I think that was the exciting thing about Azani as a kid. Um, You saw him do stuff and, and take on opposition and just seem to be that half a second ahead or just complete control of what he had to do. And you saw that um, you saw that on Saturday night and um, uh, tell me that he doesn't want to be here and 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 isn't really putting in because that celebration says it all. I think that's that's the thing that I've taken from, especially this game. You look at that front third and they all get around each other. They're all fucking stoked for each other when either of them lot score lot of or do something. There's there's love and there's there's a chemistry. And you know, three weeks ago we were like, oh, it's not quite clicking, and then it clicks, and it's just a big vuck loving at the moment and it's it's scary for other teams like they're playing for each other they're chasing you know the unchaseable balls and it's it's yeah that foresight in just being able to anticipate each other's moves and and the the right elements boys have been brought into it i was talking about this pre-season you know like the alchemy of it all and getting that chemical reaction right, you know, just making one or two tweaks here in a personnel sense. And Ben Falami, like, was that his first start this season? Maybe second start? I think he might have got one early on. I can't quite recall right now. But mm. he didn't, like, disgrace himself at all. Come Because it's, it's hard when you've been a bit part player to come in and start after, you know, because we're now getting deeper into the season. And, you know, match fitness and, and being able to go from the start is an important thing. He had a couple of opportunities that just, you know, didn't quite work out. But just being able to call on a player that now has a couple of A-League seasons under his belt when you do have what we've identified as a starter in Nishan having to miss through injury, you can call on the likes of Falami. It's just yeah. brilliant. That, that was his third start for the season. So there you go. Yeah. Hasn't uh hasn't had a goal or an assist yet. Uh, played 173 minutes. So yeah, hasn't had much continuity. But yeah, as you said, still reliable, still puts a shift in, still still makes it difficult for defenders. But what I would dare say would be properly scary. It would be properly scary if we got form or or a run of continuous form out of either him or Icon to deploy on that left side. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. To come on and to finish games because at the moment, neither of those two are starters, you'd have to say. They're both coming on to stretch defences towards the end, but if they can actually start to click in the same manner as the starters are, it's exciting. Boys, I'm going to ask you both a question without notice. Is there a trust now that we can place in what we're seeing so far this season? Because that's been the awkward thing week in, week out so far. We've played eight games and it's been we've we've been burnt a lot these last couple of seasons. Um, you know, three out of the last four seasons, I should say. And it's been a hard road to come back from. Is there trust now, buds? I can see you wanting to attack that one first. 
on on face value of this starting eleven, I think so. I feel that if we if we go one or two of this eleven down, I think there's still serious deficiencies in this squad in terms of um, putting a score on the board. I do, but in in terms of this. In, in terms of the eleven that we just seen, or the last two games, yes, I think there's definitely a um, there's there's a level of trust that's um, getting to it. Yeah, the trust is getting to a level with these guys. But let's say Bruno goes down, or Zizou, Azani, or Brimmer again, I think it um, it's it will upset the apple cart a little bit. What about you, Clarky? Yeah, well, football's the easiest game in the world when every sense clicking and going right for you, isn't it? It's 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 an easy game. Um the the real test and the real mark um is when things aren't going exactly to plan, as as Buzz Buds has mentioned with with say specifically injuries. I I wanna see what this team does when they respond when they get challenged. Maybe there's a game in the next couple of weeks that they can't play it on their terms. Um, and how does a team respond from that? Do they go into their shell? Do they, you know, mindlessly continue to push um, plan A through brute force, or is there there's something we can change up? So right now, yeah, look, there's faith in this team. I have faith in this team that it can do good things, but I won't trust them until I see what happens when they they get tested. They've been tested in that four weeks with those draws and, and they've come out of it. But then when the next test comes along, I want to see how they handle that. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean winning is a pass mark, but if they're challenged and something doesn't go their way, how do they respond the next week? Um, trust comes over a period um, of time. It, it doesn't just happen overnight, especially with this club and especially what's been happening over the last three or four years. Um, but there is faith. Um, there is faith in me. Maybe not complete trust yet, but there is faith. Very considered responses. Thank you both, gents. I think that's that's instructive because I think our listeners want to believe. I think all Vucks that were there on, on Saturday had a really good feeling about the way it was. Now, before we get to the votes, we have to talk about Machacha's celebration. Just the... <laughs> The pose, arms folded, no reaction. It was a little bit of Balotelli, a little bit of himself as well. He's a real character, isn't he? It just seems to be that way on and off the park, isn't it? Buds has, um, Buds has nailed it with, with him. He's acting like a stud. Like we mm. call him the big dick stud, but he's acting like it with his, his actions – whether it's, you know, the football actions or celebrations like that, you know, put folding his arms and then that little poke of the tongue. He knows he just pulled a bloke's pants down and embarrassed him exactly. like on a football field. He, he knows. He knows he absolutely dicked him. Um, he's Sydney FC's daddy. He, yeah, he he's, is. He's Sydney FC's daddy. And they should never forget it. My beautiful stud. And the daddy of all competitions in the history of the A-League is the Max Steel Balls of Steel. We have uh, three, two, ones to hand out and then a leaderboard. Over to you, man of the people. I'll, t- I'll tell you something about this one. This was this was an amazing count. Um, they always are when we have big wins, but um, i tell you what. There was five points that separated first and second. Five. 189 votes to 184. Unbelievable. Some serious numbers there. Yeah. And the three went to Paul Izzo. P to the Izzo. Um, Channel 10 didn't seem to think he was in the, or Paramount didn't seem to think he was in the top three players on the pitch, but our fans did. Um, Paul Izzo with the three, uh, Zizou, BDS with the two, and Daniel Arzani with a one. So that takes us to 11 for Zizou, 
10 for Bruno, 9 for Tegi, 8 for Izzo. And then we've got uh, Azani, Silva, and Nish with three, yeah. Um, and then the minor places, we've got Geria, Traore, Negro, and Monge. So we got 11 players poll, which is great. But um, it's a hotly contested top three this year. Hot. Hot. Speaking of the votes, poor, actually. Speaking of the votes, shout out to Lee Broxham Facts, who cast 32 votes for Lee Broxham across, you know, a series of 30-odd tweets. So, yeah, shout out to Lee Broxham for polling because of that guy. <laughs> what was his, um, what was the reaction to Brox coming on the pitch like in the South End? It would have been big. Oh, it was Brox, the loudest they were all night. It was the loudest they were all night. It was all Brox awesome. was absolutely adored on the jogs past the old Ballon d'Or chant went up. He gave a wave and acknowledged it. It's 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 a it's an undying love at the moment. And you know, even though this is is this the first ever season in for Vuck's sake history where we've not been able to Take on that narrative of he's never in the starting lineup at the start of the season, but by the end of it, he is. I mean, <laughs> he's he's had one mm. or two bench appearances, but I mean, yeah, the the crowd loving was uh, amazing. He was, was into the action vibe. straight away, into the action straight away with the set piece, the clearing header, and then yep. <laughs> following up with a block. It's just vintage Lee, Lee Broxham there. You know, when you're up three goals and there's, there's that kind of vibe when Lee Broxham comes on against Sydney it was it was great and it felt like we're, we're sort of seeing that 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 final season lap of Lee Broxham like I don't know are, are we I don't are know he's I feel got, like he's, it is he's 30 he's 35 he turns 36 in three weeks in a league years one more season after this one why he's not still got uh, he could he could play for two. He could. I, he could. I don't know. I, I, I don't mind if he does, but it just, I feel like the one which this season has started for him where he hasn't even been in the squad. When was the last time that happened? And I just, I start thinking a little bit. I start ticking over and I go, is this, is this the end for Lee? Is this the actual end? Uh, you know, it's one of those guys you don't ever want him to, to leave. He's, he's one of the most valuable people to, to Melbourne victory of all time. It's, it's not just the player and the value of the the salary cap. These are these are cultural cornerstones of our club. Um, he's, a, is... he's a he's a six even at his age. He, yeah, you're right. He's a six point five out of ten every week, like average player. It was special to see him come on late and have an impact in yet another three nil result against Sydney FC on that hallowed turf at Amy Park. The last time we saw that result was the 2014-15 grand final. So Saturday night's game was the second best win against Sydney FC on that pitch. We'll take a break. Mon. Hi, it's Lee Broxham. You're listening to the only Melbourne Victory podcast by the fans, for the fans, for fuck's sake. Jeez, it's always an even better week when both the men's and women's win and... Earlier in the evening, 5 p.m. kickoff against Canberra, we predicted that this one should be should be a fait accompli. You know, Canberra were nowhere. The Wuck are the Wuck, you know, one of the dominant forces in the uh, A-League women's. And it was a solid and professional performance. Now, Clarky, could you say that potentially on any other day the Wuck could have put more than just two away against this pretty hapless Canberra side who also had a player sent off halfway through the game. Yeah, look, I think so. Um, on, on another day, it could have been could have been three, four or five. There, there was plenty of chances. Um, Biddy Goad, again, ran right in the early stages of the game. Um, Mackenzie Weinart ran right on the opposite flank um, and she got her rewards. Um, it's it's a day probably that two Canberra keepers want to forget. Um, one, it's opener. Um, reasonable shot, but it just squirmed under the keeper. The keeper should have been doing better there. And then that keeper gets sent off for uh, 
for doing a Liam Reddy impersonation and then um, fouling <laughs> another, Rachel Lowe outside the Reddy, box. Another Reddy zone. We're getting a lot of uh, eccentric goalkeeper moments in both the A-League men's and women's yeah. lately. It's great to see. And then after the um, the Canberra keeper went off, that was pretty much Canberra just provided even less than really, you know, it's slight reshuffle and and all that sort of biz. But um, yeah, um, and then um, Aquino scored again. So three goals in in three games now from a slow start. She's mm-hmm. she's definitely found her feet um, again. Another cool finish where a keeper's come out off her line to try and collect the ball and she's just uh fancy feeded around the the goalkeeper and, and finished with um just just absolute uh yeah aplomb really Aquino uh giving the league a bit of a konnichiwa in terms of the uh appearance <laughs> making the appearance here in the A League women's because it's a pretty lean spell as she got used to the Jeff Hopkins style and becoming, you know, I mean, not a replacement for Melina is. You can't really replace Melina, but playing up top in a side that scores goals, it was not the best starts, but now the goals are flowing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, goals breed confidence and she scored three weeks in a row now, so she would be absolutely humming. And, um, you know, it's good form for her to be in, um, much like both of our strikers in, in the men's and the women's. Um, it's really good to have them in red-hot form going into into a, into a Melbourne Derby week. You're not wrong, Clarkie. You're not wrong. All right, let's move away from match reviews and, and let's take a little bit of a left turn and talk about Probably Melbourne Victory's biggest ever name, if not top three in Kevin Musket, founding captain and then eventual coach, uh, title-winning representative as a player and as a coach and, you know, making waves in the managerial world. He has a new job, and I've got to say, not the job that I expected him to go to after his feats in Japan, won the title with Yokohama, Marinos, and I think there were rumours about Sunderland potentially and Rangers was being talked about and Millwall and, you know, that would have been a famous return to one of his former clubs potentially. But he has actually gone ahead and joined the Chinese champions, Shanghai Port. Boys, does Kev has have some big loan to pay off here or something? Not quite sure. It feels like a bit of a sideways move, but um, uh, a financially advantageous sideways move, I guess. Um, I don't think he's any any less of a shot window. Um, but yeah, I guess we we expect you know career career arcs, especially one of his, to continue to be going up. But this seems like a bit of a sideways move. But he's still um he's got a good side. He's probably got the one of the best sides in China now that he's got to play with. So Chinese Super League isn't probably what it used to be a couple of years ago, but I think um, still think he can do pretty well in that league and who knows what happens in a year or two. Now, Buds, I was being a bit facetious about that, obviously, but we are talking about Shanghai Port, you know, the club formerly known as Shanghai SIPG. Some of the managers that have been in charge of that mob in the past, you and I went and saw together, you know, back in the day. They Sven Noren Eriksson, Andre Vias Boas, you know, like Oscar played for them. Obviously, this still does. Yeah, and Clark, well, there you go. That's the captain. The Chinese league has dropped off my radar when we're not in the Champions League. I'm just not interested in that. But in all seriousness, this isn't just a, a Mickey Mouse job. You know, this is this is Chinese powerhouse. Um, trophies will be expected. It's an opportunity for Kev to really forge his name in the Asian Confederation. Buds, you got any thoughts about this? I guess I, I do. in me wanted Millwall or something like that. But here we go, China. No, I think I actually think he's um, 
I actually think he might be using his um, not using it, but you know, he's life's all about experiences. Um, he's probably got enough, you know, he's got enough cashola to to live comfortably for the rest of his life, and probably did before he left the victory. Um, and here he's probably actually sized it up and gone before I make that move. Um, you know, a lot of people probably said that Yokohama, he you know, was living a bit in Anja's shadow with Anja's squad, which we know wasn't exactly the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he gets to go to a new chapter, and a lot of people will knock that. But he takes on the reigning champions who have got, you know, probably still the best team in China with the best franchise star player in China still with Oscar, who's not going anywhere. Um, he gets to live in a city like Shanghai, which would be great experience for anyone from any culture. Um, and he gets to probably spend a year or two there and win. So then he becomes the king of Asia, the king of the Asian Confederation, mm. and he wins in he wins in Australia, he wins in Japan, and he wins in China. And then he can go to Europe, and then he can potentially go and get a bigger job. And he might not want to. He might not wanted to have gone to Scotland. That's actually a really insightful it. point that I hadn't thought of. That you know maybe in the same confederation, stepping out of the Ange shadow, doing something um, distinct, and I guess separated from the legacy that is Ange, both at Melbourne Victory and Yokohama. That, that's uh, thought-provoking, thought buds. Yeah. If, if he'd gone to, obviously he wouldn't go to Celtic and they'd never have him because he's an ex-Rangers player. Um, if he'd done that and gone to the, the Scottish Premiership and then won there or, you know, done really well there and, then gone to the championship, he would just constantly be referred to as Ange's protege. Mm. That, that that's mm. what the the press would pick up on there as well. And um, he's only fifty. That's... Yeah, he's yeah, got. I mean, he's fifty. Like compare that to Ange. I just thought... like... Yeah, yeah. I just thought Don't. it was wild. Um, sorry, I thought it was wild the other day when I was just you know looking at him and seeing you know people from other countries, you know all the all the Yokohama fans, the Marinos fans thanking him and, you know, wishing he'd stayed there and thinking back to how we couldn't fucking wait for him to leave our club. And you just think now how fast things can move with a couple of good moves and, you know, faith in the right team. This club could never get him back at this stage. Like he... No, no. And and, and I was like, imagine him coming and I was like, fuck, was... Was Kevin Musket football like that that we played and his systems and the way he went about it? Was it just beyond us at the time, or has he just been a really fast learner and just evolved really well? And it's it's probably a bit of both. Bit both um, I think yeah, we've evolved and and so has he. Yeah, I think the league, to... the A League, as, as 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 well has has kind of evolved from from those days. I think what we also found was that after Kev left. Kev wasn't the problem. No. Really. No, Kev our club was, was yeah, fucked. He yeah. was holding it together. He held it together with duct tape and yeah. Fucking um, won a no, toilet I'm... seat. Like with yeah. with a mercenary who, you know, called this league a pussy league and a and a bunch of blokes. Yeah. Mm. That just yeah. So I'm I'm actually Harry Stewell. Sorry, go on that. I'm just stoked for him for this move. I think it's it's no. He's going to make a big bag out of it. Like, make to make no mistake about that. Like, he would yeah. have been on a good wicket. At, he would have been on a really good wicket in Yoma, uh, Yokohama as well at the Marinos. But Absolutely. This is, um, this is this is real left field stuff. This is great. I think I think it's still I think it still holds a, a lot of weight. And yeah, you go go and be the king of Asia. Go and be the king of Asia. Mm. Just. Go they must have courted him, you know, like, uh, and and I, I guess we, someone said the word sideways move before and, you know, I think potentially it kind of is, but the J-League is the premier Asian competition, 
you know, throughout. And the Chinese Super League was that in the past. And I don't know, and I look back, you know, like at the time we actually knocked them off twice when Kev, I think once was when Kev was in charge back in 2018. Yeah, um, look, we've done a few of them. We and, knocked, uh, we, we, we did Guangzhou. memories of that. Yeah, yeah Guangzhou as well, yeah. Melbourne victory progresses to ACL group stages. Melbourne City does not and then just has a whinge and points to their uh, to their win-loss record. Oh, we've only never lost one game, but how many times have you qualified? Fucking hey, zero. Oh. We, qual- we, qual- we qualified. Did we qualify with, uh, with Grant, Grant Rebner and Steve, and Steve King? Yeah, yeah. We had fucking so, Rudy Gestead and, and Jacob Butterfield and, and shit like And we qualified with them, a wooden spoon side. That was, uh, yeah. In, just looking back, it's astonishing how that even happened. We are we are meandering somewhat though, and I'm, I'm. It was good. It's always good to talk about Kevin, and I think uh, we will see his career arc. It's just moving in a different direction. It hasn't been as meteoric, but I want to come back to that. The fact that he's fifty, and when when people talk about Ange and Ange being like, what is it, sixty five now, and you know he's finally got to Ange is only like fifty eight, isn't he? I don't know. Ange isn't even it's been a long week. Where did I get that from? I don't know. Let's move on to another topic then, I suggest, because I'm clearly losing the pop plot here. Um, my back's sore. I've, I need a bacchiotomy. Everything's breaking down. <laughs> Tell you what's not breaking down, the Preston Lions signing two former Vuck-Torians in Aaron Anderson and Brandon Lawton. Preston making waves in the uh, NPL slash soon to be arriving National Second Division. Has there been any other scuttlebutt or stories or developments on, on that front, boys? I have not heard a single thing, really. I mean, it's still, what, another year away? Uh, there probably has been, but uh, frankly, if you're going to consume everything that goes on in the A-League and then everything that's going on in this this proposed National Second Division... Well, then you end up living in your mum's basement and your name's South Melbourne Mike. So, <sighs> you know, I, I don't have time for that. So I'm sure there has been. But on this with Aaron Anderson and Lawton, I think it's a pretty savvy move from, from Preston. They've they've clearly got their eye on the National Second Division um, and they've recruited some young kids who maybe didn't completely crack on in the A-League but definitely have experience at that level. Um, and they'd be back in themselves boys too, from be back in them to get the best out of them. So I, I don't mind it from from Preston. I reckon it's I reckon it's it's good areas. It's a bit of a flex, uh, yeah. I, I like it. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about Saturday. It's yet another double header. Two of them on the trot. It's 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 a it's a feast of Vuck football. Again, Saturday, December the 23rd, and it's the WAC against CFG, 5 p.m., and then the men will kick off at 7.45 p.m. With the WAC, it's second versus third. This has the potential to be very season-defining for for both sides. If the WAC win, they can leapfrog City Football Group women franchise branch of Melbourne uh, and potentially even go first if Western United knock off Perth. So you can get in early. You can catch the women take on CFG at 5 p.m. But 7.45 p.m. is when the men kick off. And in this particular instance, CFG sit in sixth. It's uh, three wins, two draws, three losses. Their wins haven't been altogether convincing. They've, geez, it was hilarious to see them throw away the game against the Mariners, watching the likes of Torres and Nisbet just nipping at their heels and <laughs> taking the result away from them on the weekend. Someone's written in here, and I'm looking at you, Clarkie, that there's never been a better time to have at them. To have at CFG, the the tables have turned, the, you know, the things have shifted. You feeling like you're tasting a bit of blood in the water, there, mate? Currently, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, 
CFG can turn it around at any time. You look at the squad and it, it's, mm-hmm. I scratch my head a little bit and go, this team's in sixth and has a negative goal difference. Um, but it's about capitalizing on the here and now. Let's not talk about where they end up in another 12 weeks' time. They're there for the taking. They're absolutely there for the taking. I see their defensive line and I'm like, I, and then I compare it to our forward line. They would have a field day with the way they're defending. It's bring it on. I think our, our midfield goes toe-to-toe with them. I think we are toe-to-toe with them on every line and we haven't had that for a long time. Um, Jamie McLaren scored like four goals this season, which is by his standards, fucking crap. Um, our striker scored 12. Like, it's a must win and we should win. Buds, um, I'm sure there's many things you're looking forward to see in this game. But wouldn't the fact that two of CFG's better known names in Arzani and Bruno returning, both of whom, Bruno particularly is on the record about the fact that things didn't work out over there and he doesn't exactly look too fondly upon them. What I mean, seeing Azani provide an assist for Bruno would be the ultimate, wouldn't it, Buds? Yeah, it would be spectacular. I hope he does it three times. And what will happen is that Vidmar gets <laughs> sacked and they'll bring Kisnorbo back straight away. That's what will happen. Um, they'll have a third manager <laughs> for this season. That's what's that- going to happen. The that most, the most stable, the most stable club of the last five years in this Unlimited league. Limited resources, limited resources. will have network, three global scouting network season. knowledge. Yeah, three uh, facilities better than club. most of the rest of the league, and just still piss their pants uh, uh, when when the going gets tough. Oh yeah, look, I I concur. There there, there hasn't been a better time to do them over than this week. I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about it. And, and a lot of that's got to do with our crowd. Um, I think even in our lowest depths, and people like to make the joke on various platforms and forums online about how victory fans go missing when the team shit. Well, guess what? That happens to every club. The people who aren't sickos stop going when the football's no good. It's just a reality. But what is a true fact across the entire history of the league is that Melbourne Victory Football Club have carried the league in terms of crowd numbers. Number one. When we're the best, that equation does not change. And again, it will be another Melbourne City-hosted derby where they are outnumbered. Uh, at their own home ground. And I've said this countless times before in the past. You'll struggle to find another city-based, singular city-based derby in the world where it's the home team that has less fans than the away team. That speaks to the dynamic in this city. Never forget that, Bucks. They are just the little mosquito on the arse of this fine thoroughbred that is Melbourne Victory Football Club. Mm. Mm. Well put, Dave. Well put. Um, I'm also sick of them getting this fixture as the home game every season. Yeah, it's a bit of a... It's an underarm for them. It's it's always been an underarm. It was an underarm when they... It was was a charity case when they were hard and you could accept that. But there's no need for them to keep getting the charity case here. They don't have any fans. They don't. When was the last time we got the Christmas derby as a home game? I can't even remember. I haven't been to one five years. I don't think. Yeah, long, long time ago. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. But with all those CFG cronies that sit in the uh, halls of power now, the APL, you know, things might continue to be uh, bent in their favor or shape but look I'm I, don't, pretty... I, don't attempt, I don't want to tempt fate here they do have a handy um a handy three in ass hat um ass hat yeah. 
Hand Arshat Yakalis and, and Natal. I think uh, Steve Stevie UG and uh, is is pretty washed. Uh, don't rate their hasn't been started. The, yeah, I don't I don't rate their back four much at all. Um, as is Bayich is. I think our boys will have a crack at him all day. Oh, I think he might just get some attention from from the Bucks out there on the terraces. Yeah, Callum Talbot's probably going to be a good player. Still pretty young. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a really really good opportunity to beat them here, but we we really need to stay compact, stay tight, and let them make some mistakes and um, capitalize when our crowd gets on top. But yeah, those three I mentioned there, they're, they're two wide players and Yakolis and Natal Handy, but they've got great players. I still I still I still expect them to rise up during the season because um, mm. they they just I don't, I, they, they've got the, the best squad's of everything. Too good. That, the yeah, they're a, cheat, good. they're a cheat. They're a cheat code every year. That they, they may just have no harmony. I've seen it many, many times. Good players just can't be brought together. Um, there's a lot of disharmony. They may not rate um, Vigmar at all. Um, there's clearly something off there. That's why we need to be able to beat them on pure talent. Um, they've got more than enough on the park, uh, more than enough to to beat us easily. But I just think they're very off. They're very, very off, and um, we got to capitalize on that shit. Prediction, buds. Uh, 2-1, us. Actually, actually, I think it might be Ooh. a draw. I, oh. think might, I think it could be a – I think it might be a 1-1. One, one. Someone's feeling a bit indecisive. Clarky, give me some more clarity on what's going to happen on Saturday night. Professional Vuck, 2-0. Ooh. Now, let me tell you boys something about what's going to happen on Saturday night. <laughs> Aurelio Vidmar was once in charge of a club from a pissant town. Now he's in charge of a pissant club in this city. 3-1 to the Vuck. Mon. Mon the Vuck. Fuck the Yarra and Collective and your shitty TIFO. 